Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this special edition of Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. And boy, do we have a lot of passion to share. It's the off season and we're gearing up for 2020, but we thought it would be so nice for each of our Tennis Pal friends to share their tennis love as holiday greeting cards from all of us to you. Yep, I've asked our fan favorite reporters to share their personal story, why they love tennis, why they are huge fans of their favorite players, and those miracle moments when they have actually met their inspirational heroes, Federer, Djokovic, Serena, and more. So get cozy, pull up a blanket near the holiday hearth, and enjoy this collection of tennis love letters. Hey everyone, it's Valerie Garcia. You may also know me as the co-host of Tennis Pal Chronicles podcast or the Serena Williams fan favorite reporter. A little background on me. I am from Southern California, born and raised the greater Los Angeles area. Um, I currently reside in this wonderful little town called La Puente, nestled near West Covina and Baldwin Park. Not that many people play tennis in my city or neighboring cities, so it's sad on one hand, but it's also very nice because courts are very rarely taken. I grew up in a town called Walnut, which is about 15-minute drive from where I currently live, and tennis is really popular in that city, so every time I would try and play tennis over there, courts were always really full, so you had to get there really early or play in the middle of the day. My tennis story is, I don't know, kind of strange, I guess. I knew of tennis my whole life. Um, I grew up, I had a neighbor who was much older than me. He's like a father figure and he always watched tennis. And so I always associated tennis with him, but I never really watched tennis. I played in high school, not on a team, but from like PE And so I was familiar with the sport and some of my friends would play on the weekends just for fun, but it was three, four times a year. And it was usually just totally messing around. I feel like I ran into the sport in a kind of random way. I'm not proud of it, but it's my story. And it got me super, super into tennis, as shallow as this sounds. I was working at Blockbuster Video, If you guys remember, um, that should tell you about how old I am. (laughs) And there was a GQ magazine and it had a picture of Martina Hingis on the cover. And I was like, whoa, who is that really pretty lady? And seeing the cover of the magazine attracted me. I I wanted to find out who the, the person was on the cover. And I started reading that it was a tennis star. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, I kind of am really interested to see how she plays tennis. And so I actually started watching only the WTA and I mostly would watch all of Martina Hingis's matches. I think I caught on to tennis around, she had already won two or three grand slams at that point. Um, It was right about the middle of her reign And um, maybe a year before the Williams sisters pretty much came in and knocked her out of contention, Uh, she was still doing lots of battles with the older people on circuit like Steffi Graf and 
Lindsay Davenport was was real strong back in the day. Jennifer Capriotti had her come back and was doing very well. Uh, Justine Hennen, uh, Kim Kleisters, all of all of these wonderful names. And I just really got into the WTA and what I find really funny, and maybe somebody can relate, or maybe people think I'm crazy. Back in the day, I remember they would like on there was no tennis channel it was played on like espn um or channel four for like the majors and if the men and the women were playing at the same time a lot of times like i'd be watching a women's match and then the men would start like pete sampras or you know andre agassi or something and they would stop the women's match and put on the men's match and i remember getting so mad like I just want to see the women's match, you know? When Serena first came on the scene as a Martina Hingis fan, I actually did not root for her or like her. I was very angry that she came on the scene because she kept beating Hingis and it was ruining all my dreams. But then as I started to get to know Serena um, and their story, her and Venus, how they came up from my backyard, uh, Compton, which is in Southern California... And uh, just her talent. And then I started to learn a little bit more about her as a person. Uh, she like plays guitar. She's really interested in like learning other languages. Um, there were there were just some key little things that kind of attracted me into learning more about her. And then, of course, Hingis uh, retired. And I was like, great. Like now I'm free to just root for Serena. And she just got more badass and more badass. And so why wouldn't I root for the American hometown girl? Um, So I just really jumped in headfirst into supporting her. She hasn't been an easy person to support. That is for sure. She likes (laughs) to cause some controversy. Um, Sometimes I would believe that it's not really her fault. And other times I'm like, I, I mean, it's, I'm like, oh, come on, Serena, you know, like, why are you acting like that? But I think um, as a human, you know, she's just human and she makes mistakes. And I am certainly um, appreciative of her willingness to own up to her mistakes and grow as a person. And uh, one of the things I really love is that, that she was able to kind of get past and forgive Indian Wells um, for the traumatic experience there way back when, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago, and came back. And again, because I'm from Southern California, that is my nearest tournament. And it also is coincidentally the best tournament there is on tour. And so, so happy that her and Venus came back. Uh, I love going out there and screaming my head off for them to make them feel like they made the right decision to come back. I have never met Serena. However, um... Our Rafa Nadal fan favorite reporter, Nicholas, he and I went to the 2009 U.S. Open and we were being bad. We actually um, were sneaking around the grounds, smoking, looking for a place to sneak a cigarette because in New York, the USTA Billie Jean King Center, there it is a no smoking campus. Nowhere on there can you go and smoke. And we... You know, uh, I have since quit, so pat on the back for me. However, back then, I was I was still a slave to the nicotine, and 
we went looking for a place to hide and sneak a cigarette. And we went and tucked behind like uh, Louis Armstrong. And we were sitting there smoking and like hidden in these bushes where no one could see us. And who comes walking through was a Serena and Venus. They had just finished a doubles match and they were taking like a back pathway to go to their press conference. And they happened to just like walk right by us. And we were like, Oh my God. Oh my God. There's Serena and Venus. And I, I don't remember exactly because I kind of got so excited. I probably like blacked out a little bit, but I did like yell like, Oh my God. I love you, Serena. You're my hero. And she like looked at us and waved and she was really nice. And um, that was my one moment of almost meeting her, I guess. I'm definitely much more of a watching tennis fan than a tennis player. I do play. I have a lot of tennis gear. I have the ball machine. I have the works. Um, and I go out and I probably play like five to eight times a year, which is not very much. Um, I probably (laughs) average like every six weeks, I'll go out and hit some balls with somebody. Um, I used to play a lot more when I was younger and I guess, um, as I got older, people started, my friends started having families and people didn't have time. So we stopped playing regularly and then I didn't play for many years and, Actually, um, people probably think that I'm just saying this, but I really do rely on the Tennis Pal app to find people to play tennis with. So recently, like probably the past six months, the 80% of the times that I've played tennis is with somebody that I find on Tennis Tennis Pal app. I could find somebody who has a similar skill level as I have and someone that's around me and it has a little messenger on there. So we just message and arrange and then we play. Um, I find that to be really cool. If there's one thing maybe in my 2020 that I'd like to do more, I'd, I'd love to play more tennis and always watch more tennis because who doesn't want to watch more tennis? I, I love nothing more than to watch a five or six hour Nadal Djokovic match. It is, in my opinion, the best thing there is about sports and I could see why I guess some people would not want to sit in front of a TV for six hours and watch a match but for me um, it's like the best thing in the world um, my jaw is literally like on the floor there the entire time they're playing I cannot believe the shots that they're able to come up with and how they're able to play so long but anyway I will be done rambling now I hope that um If you are a tennis fan, I really hope that you enjoy our podcast and we're always looking for new subjects to talk about. So if you guys have ideas or things you want to hear about, we're always here to listen to that type of thing um, because we want to talk about the things you want to hear. I know for me, I can't wait to hear the other fan favorite reporters um, discussion on this how they found tennis, why they love tennis, why they love the person they love, etc. Um, because this is a podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. So those who are passionate about tennis, I have to imagine we all want to hear it. We all want to talk about it. We all want to listen um, and tune in. So thanks for listening, guys, and uh, have a happy holiday and a happy new year. And we'll catch you in 2020. I hope that the Australian Open is Fantastic. Bye.
Hello, this is Tanya from Bosnia and Herzegovina and you know me as a person who does reports on Novak Djokovic. But this is a special Christmas podcast where we have to talk about us and our love for our favorite tennis players. In my case, about Nole. I hope that this will help you to get to know me better. Well, you already know that I come from Bosnia, a small country in Europe. I'm a bachelor of journalism and my dream has always been to be a sport journalist. I hope that one day it will come true. I'm 25 years old and I was born during the war. I don't remember anything because I was a baby, but I saw the consequences. I was born in a small town that now has less than 40,000 inhabitants. Thanks to the war, my friends and me maybe didn't have what children from bigger countries had, but we were so happy and I wouldn't change my childhood for anybody else. You are probably asking yourself why I'm telling you this. Well, war destroys everything and when it ends, countries and cities need a lot of time to recover. They, especially small towns, don't have enough money to recover soon. And because of that, you don't have enough opportunities. The first time I stepped on the tennis court was when I was 16 or 17 years old. That year, the first tennis court was made in my hometown. You can imagine my happiness because I spent years and years watching Djokovic on TV and dreaming about at least training this sport. And when I finally got a chance, I took it. I came to the first training with a naive thought that maybe I had a talent hidden somewhere deep in me. And of course I didn't have it. Even if I had it, it was sleeping so tight, without any possibility to be woken up at that age. The only thing I was good at was serve. I was hitting aces, but of course against beginners like me. But I wouldn't even have that tennis dream if it wasn't for my favorite sportsman ever, Novak Djokovic. And it's time to tell you everything about my admiration and love for him and how I met him. Everything started in 2006. That was the year when I saw Djokovic for the first time on TV. He was playing Umag. He reached the final and lost to Stan Wawrinka after retiring because of the breathing problems. He was so sad and that was my first heart attack caused by him. I was 11 years old and after that match I knew that he was going to be my childhood hero. The next important match that I remember as if it was yesterday was in 2007 when Djokovic won Miami his first ATP 1000 Masters title. He played against Kanyas and I watched that match with my sister and dad almost without blinking. It was nerve-wracking and my dad then told, this boy is so smart and he will be the world number one. As we all know, he was so right. Next year, 2008, was when our nation realized that we have someone special. The place where the birth of the new worldwide known tennis hero took place was in Melbourne, Australian Open. Djokovic played incredibly great. He defeated Federer in the semi-finals and Tsonga in the final. 
This match was of the greatest importance for Serbs. All the streets in Serbia and Republic of Srpska were empty. Everybody was in front of their TVs praying and sending positive energy to Nole. Yes, we thought that we could help him. And it worked in the end. We were happy, we were proud. He won his first Grand Slam title. And it's fait. It's fait. Novak Djokovic remporte son premier Grand Slam. À 20 ans, il devient le, le premier Serbe de l'histoire à remporter un titre majeur. Il s'impose en 4 manches. 4 On 6 March 2010, my sister and me got to see our hero for the first time in Belgrade on Davis Cup. I'm telling you the exact date because on the same day, few years later, we got to meet Nole for the first time. But I'll tell you more about it later. In 2011, we went to Serbia to watch the Davis Cup matches again. For the first time in our lives, we were so close to Nola that we could ask for the autograph and he signed our Serbian flag. The happiness we felt was endless. We took our phones and to every single contact we sent a message that we got that precious autograph. We were crying. Meeting Djokovic was the greatest dream my sister and me ever had. We were praying for that all the time. But next few years made us think that our dream would never come true. We went to Davis Cup matches whenever it was played in Belgrade. But we never got a chance to meet him. It seemed that every single fan took a photo with him but not us. And then everything changed on the March 6, 2016. Serbia played against Kazakhstan. After Saturday, Serbia were down 2-1. On Sunday, Nole played the match for 2-2. It was the most intense match we have seen live. It lasted almost 5 hours. Nole had health problems. His team and doctors were telling him to retire. But he kept fighting, and we kept cheering as loud as we could. He was fighting like his life depended on the result of that match. And he won. Everyone was on their feet to give this hero a standing ovation. We witnessed the greatness of the greatest of all time. Novak then did the interview on the court. After that, he faved to the fans and started leaving the court. But then he turned, waved and blew the kiss in our direction. That moment beat all the previous happy moments of our lives. After we left the stadium, we decided to wait for Nola on one of the entrances and try to meet him once again. We came last and we were at the end of the security fence. We were waiting there for almost an hour and it seemed like he was not going to come out there. But then Novak comes out. He starts walking in our direction. He's one meter from us, but he turns his back. He can't see us. People are screaming, trying to touch him. All those moments that he was so close to us, but he passed by flash before eyes. Another opportunity is gone. Maybe next time. But, but suddenly 
He turns his head and he sees us. He comes to us with a huge smile on his face and he leans over the fence to hug Sanya and me. He told us few times, thank you for the support, thank you for the support. And all we could say was, thank you, thank you. It was one of the most important moments of our lives. We were waiting for that for more than 10 years. And when it happened, and when he recognized us, we thought that we were dreaming. That was my sister's and my story of meeting one of the greatest ever. But I still haven't told you why I love and admire Novak Djokovic. First of all, because of his heart and the way he looks at life, he is such a great inspiration to everybody, especially to children. He was born in a small country where tennis wasn't important, but he had a dream and he chased it. He didn't give up even when the odds were against him. He showed us that it is important to have a goal. And even if it looks surreal to others, it's possible if we believe in it. I also love the way he helps children in Serbia. I love the way he treats his fans. I love the fact that he remained humbled. I love the fact that he cares about education and that he never stops learning. Also... Family is always a priority in his life, and that's probably what I admire the most. The 30 year of supporting Novak Djokovic is coming to an end, and all I know is that I will always be by his side. No matter how old I get, my admiration for this man will never disappear. I'm glad I lived in his era, and I'm happy that I'll be able to talk about him to my children. That was my story. I hope you like it. And I wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And I hope that you will keep listening to our podcast in 2020. See you. Hi all, it's Fiona from Australia. And I have been recording the fan report for Roger Federer for the past year on and off. I just want to say thanks to Philip and Valerie for putting together such a fun podcast. It's really nice to be a part of it and also really great to listen to. So thank you for that. And so for this special Christmas episode, I'm just going to talk a little bit about myself and why I love tennis and why I love Roger. So uh, first of all, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia at the moment, and I've only been living here for a few months. But as you No, it's the home of the Australian Open, so I've just tried to use that um, to my advantage and use the facilities as much as I can. So that's a really cool thing about um, the Melbourne Park facilities. They actually are accessible to the public with a membership. So since I've lived here, I've had a lot of fun being able to use the courts that um, some really great players have used, including Roger. So... 
I just play tennis socially at the moment. So I was doing coaching um, here and there for um, a little bit, but I never started playing tennis at a young age, which I do sort of regret because I know my skills could have developed much quicker if I started young. But right now I'm just trying to fit it in where I can and use it um, to stay active and use it to uh, get better coordination, just grow my skills and technique where I can. And it's really fun. I probably play about once a week now, which is not as often as I'd like to. And I just play with friends um, who are available. So um, my favorite player is obviously Roger Federer. And uh, he has been my favorite since the very beginning. I think I always say uh, it's his charisma and his personality and his humbleness and who he is as a person that really made me like obsessed with him. But um, again, his tennis ability is something like unlike anything else like just imagine in any field in life if you are as good as you are as him at tennis um it's just mind-blowing because to specialize in something and do it that well is not an easy feat and I think he's just um he's made it so graceful throughout his entire career like I can only ever respect that and even growing up and like going through the difficulties of life like going to full-time work going through studying and all of this and that having him as an inspiration to look at someone who works hard who has natural talent but works to make it better and better and really just loves what they do like that is a really good starting point to um to look up to and I think I've always just had him in my life to to be like a a hero and a figure that um has been aspiring and inspiring so I think uh I followed Roger for probably god it's been since 2009 when I first watched him so that was pretty late in his career I know like some people have been watching since 04, 03, but I really started late. So in 2009, I was probably 13 years old, something like that, 14 years old. And I just watched tennis here and there. Like I watched the Australian Open when it was ever was on TV because I, um, I grew up in Australia and tennis is always on during summer and not covered like so much during the year, but definitely during summer, it's like a big... Uh, things to just sit down watch tennis and, and go to matches if you can and so I used to just watch it on tv with my family whenever possible and I remember watching him cry uh, when he didn't win in 2009 and my sister liked Rafa so she was pretty happy but I was like oh look at that guy like he cares about this sport so much he's there crying um unbelievable he better win next year and I already knew like who Roger was but I wasn't super obsessed with tennis I wasn't following the sport so closely and I was never a really big sports person uh fan of any sport um until I started watching tennis and so um 2009 went on I tried to watch like here and there like follow a little bit of tennis but again it wasn't that accessible and I was still pretty young um and then I think really like from 2010, 2011 was when I really, really became obsessed um, and I wouldn't miss a match and I would watch everything like at four, whether it was at four in the morning or 12 in the afternoon, I'll try to fit it in with my studying. And um, yeah, I really found 
it's so easy to be so uh not not obsessed like that sounds insane but I think like I really like dedicated to seeing him succeed and when it, whenever he won I felt happy whenever he lost I felt sad it was like a shared emotion and to make it even better like all the community online who also felt like sadness and happiness when he won or lost made it feel like uh like you're never alone when you're watching him play and you and I really felt like uh I was part of something bigger than just watching some guy on a court I felt like um like in sport like you can feel all the uh range of emotions and all the range of uh negative emotions too so really like that is what got me super addicted to tennis uh back in 2010 and definitely by 2011 I was all the way in deep and I've been watching him really closely ever since so it's all been in the later part of his career but I'm really glad and really lucky that I've still been able to see a lot of successes and a lot of um failures too but really glad that I've been able to be part of the journey and that he's still playing um, at the capacity he is even at this stage in his career. So uh, then uh, in 2012, I started attending tournaments as much as I could. So I was still in university by then. Actually, I was in my final year of school and then I, I started university after that. So my schedule was flexible enough to be able to go to the Australian Open every year, which was the closest tournament to me, believe it or not. And then later on, when I had saved up enough to travel, I would have um, tried to go to other tournaments, but I'll just get into that later. So uh, the first tournament I ever went to was 2012 Australian Open. I just watched um, Federer and Del Potro in the quarterfinals and Roger won in straight sets. I remember it was a day match in Rod Laver Arena and I was like hedging my bets with the tickets and I didn't know whether he'd play day or night. And in 2012, like it was still a toss up. Like I think these days he'll definitely get the night session, but um, I was lucky enough. I only bought a day session ticket and I only went to the tournament for three days and one of those days was his quarter. And I... Um, I went into the arena and I just felt like it was holy ground because I was so young and I was so um, excited to finally see like my idol in person. I'm sure anyone who has ever seen Federer play live can resonate a little bit with the feeling. But um, also because my emotions were all over the place, like I was crying with happiness and then he won and he made it to the semis and it was even better. Um, but as you guys know, like moving forward in that tournament, he lost to to Rafa in the semis in uh, in three sets. Anyway, we'll forget about that. So that was the first time I ever watched Federer play live. And then from then on, so from 2012 to 2019, I have gone to seven consecutive Australian Opens. So, um, I mean, it's a very expensive hobby, but I wouldn't do it for anyone else. And I think it's worth it to watch Roger play because he has... Um, been such a big part of my life and I always thought oh this might be his last year this might be his last year but it never was I, I made it to seven and we're still going but um so then I watched him play live and also when you go to tournaments you can sort of be lucky enough to um get close enough to meet the players so uh on that 
2012 tournament, I remember uh, the practice court schedules to see the players weren't publicised everywhere, but I did some research and tried to find, like, what time Roger would be somewhere and where he would be. And, of course, like, hundreds of other people tried the same thing and a lot of people were, like, seasoned veterans and they knew exactly where to go. I looked up the information and I found him like in the middle of like a 36 degrees Celsius day on like a um, court 17, 18, like out um, at the Australian Open Practice Courts. And it was the middle weekend of the tournament. So it was really, really crowded. And But I was like pretty young, small, so I could squeeze in to the front. Um, but, but actually I was waiting there for a few hours anyway. So I had a spot at the front that I was waiting for. And I was lucky enough to see him and he practiced like on my side of the fence. And, and then uh, actually after he practiced on that day, he came over and signed autographs and I was like screaming, crying. And I um, actually, I, it wasn't that bad. I was just like a little bit emotional. And then I could see him for the first time. And uh, I think I just asked him like, will you sign my ball please? And then he did it and I just said, thank you so much and maybe like I said I love you or something funny like that but um, that would have been the first time I met him. I think like everyone's practice court uh, meeting stories are probably quite similar because you don't actually get like 10 full seconds with him. It's just like a minute he walks past and he keeps going. I mean not a minute it's actually just like one second and he keeps going but uh then ever since then like just to be able to have access to players that closely is really nice so I really liked watching how he practiced up close too so I think I I kept going back to the tournament for that part and also like the fans you meet are really sweet as well and then after a while like it just becomes a ritual so um, I have been lucky enough to meet him a few more times in my life as well. So I, um, sounds bad, but I actually lost count because it's been maybe like 10 times. Yeah, because in 2013, um, I went back to the Australian Open, 14 and 15, I was at the Australian Open too. And then in 2016, same. And then 17, I actually went to... Um, the Hopman Cup to see him play at the beginning of the year and I think that was the first tournament I ever went to where I saw him elsewhere aside from Melbourne. Oh, except for in 2014 I also went to an exhibition match that he played in Sydney um, and so then um, all the, apart from all those times here and there in Australia, in 2017 I also managed to go to uh, Halle and Wimbledon for the first time so that was the first time I ever traveled to watch tennis and it was really um, the best time of my life it was incredible just seeing Wimbledon in person as well but um, by then like I had already been like five years into going to tournaments so I had like a bit of a um, tactic of how and where I can find him and maybe even like his team recognized me after all that time so then I think I, um, when I went to Halle, like he's actually pretty comfortable and at home there. So it's really easier to meet him as well. Um, and he's, 
in it's not a it's not a grand slam so he's not as he's not he's still focused but he's not in that super super tense zone that he needs to be for slam so he will stop and talk a little more and so I, I met him there as well and perhaps like the best meeting I ever had with him was um on new year's day in 2017 at the hotman cup um he came at 7 p.m to practice on some way um out of the way court in perth in like the middle of um a hot hot summer so it was 7 p.m it was finally getting cool for the evening and i think he was hung over from like the 31st of december and then he we had about like uh, 50 people at that court because no one knew he was practicing and, and it was just like a local club but it was um sponsored by the hobman cup so then there were people who were like uh lining up and waiting and other players would have watched him practice there too and then I um we watched him practice I can't believe he actually showed up and then at the end he was stopping and talking and taking time and meeting everyone and I um was able to like go down some stairs and and talk to him and shake his hand and and put my arm on his shoulder and take a picture so that was really really sweet the first time I met Roger up close and personal and I had more than maybe five seconds um, was really, really special to me and I'll always remember that. And then since then, from the tournaments I've attended here and there, I think he is able to sort of recognise my face, which I'm really lucky to say. Overall, I just want to say I wish that everyone has the opportunity to one day get close enough to watch their favourite athlete play live or even just um, see them practice in some capacity because it is really a world of difference from watching them on TV. Like It is completely... Um, not exemplary of how they really do play when you see them on uh, TV as compared to live like it's just unreal so um, yeah so in my experiences I've been really lucky just having a lot of big tournaments locally and then um, traveling just a little bit as much as I can to see the um, players except then um, that's it that's all I have to say about my personal experience with my favorite player and I think um, if anyone has questions, you can always reach out to me on Twitter about it. I do share a lot of the um, meeting, meetings and fun times that I have on there. So just, um, yeah, reach out. My Twitter is Federering. So uh, then I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas as well and a Happy New Year and uh, say a big thanks again to Philip and Valerie and all the other fan favourite reporters for all their hard work and um, have a great year in 2020 as well and we'll catch you then maybe. Thank you, bye. Hey guys, it's Crystal and I'm basically here to tell you guys about the story of why I fell in love, with, how I fell in love with tennis basically and how I fell in love with Stefan Tsitsipas as well. So let's start right at the beginning. Um, if you guys don't know, I am from New Zealand, which is next, an island next to Australia. I live in Wellington, which is the capital of New Zealand. We have, obviously, Parliament is there, so we've got a building called the Beehive, which is amazing, pretty cool, definitely should visit. And there's also a lot of nature 
wildlife reserves in Wellington. There's beaches. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to come and visit. However, being from Wellington, I did grow up in Auckland, which is where my love of tennis really spawned and flourished, I guess you could say. And Auckland is like the cultural hub of New Zealand. There's the Sky Tower, there's sailing, there's dolphins, and all of those types of things that we get to experience. It's a lot, there's lots of beaches, lots of beautifulness, but there's also the tennis stadium where they hold the New Zealand tennis tournament as well as an ATP 250 and a WTA tournament as well. So that's where our story begins, basically. So being from growing up in Auckland, obviously my parents would watch the Australian Open throughout January and they'd also watch the New Zealand tournament. So I knew nothing about tennis when I was younger. I just watched TV. That's all I did. But tennis was something that was always intriguing. I loved other sports, but tennis was the one that I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like, they're hitting a ball back and forth all the time. This is intense. Like, this is really cool. And it was something that we did all the time. Like, it would start in January, and then obviously you'd have maybe the Davis Cup tournaments that would show on the TV sometimes, and then you'd move on to the French Open, the the Sunshine Slams. Then we'd go the French Open and then Wimbledon and the US Open. So it was kind of like an all-yearly thing. And my mum would record everything, making sure she was watching Rafa's, all of Rafa's matches and everything like that. And it was great. Like, it was very interesting. And then we started going to the Auckland tournament, the ATP 250 and the WTA tournament as well. So we started going there every summer for maybe a day in between one day each of the weeks to see the men and the women. So we'd go there and we'd watch and it just loved, like I loved going there. It was like a big day, you'd get dressed up, we'd get our hats, we'd get our nice clothes for the tennis and it was just fun. Like we'd just have a good day and it was so much fun and I loved it and just watching the matches and at the AAT, at the Auckland match is... We have like signs and posters so you can write signs for the players and then you can sign them at the end. And it took me years to figure out that we could do this until recently. But it was so much fun and I loved it. I guess at school they introduced a tennis program as well. So when I when I first started college or high school, I didn't really play tennis until I was way older because I was more into it as I got older in high school so near the end of high school that's when I was more really getting into tennis I think it was the time around Nick Kyrgios when Nick Kyrgios and Thanasi Kokonakis, Denis Shapovalov those guys Jack Sock when they were really starting to get good in the ATP tour and they were being more prominent and making sure their games were being felt that's when I started getting into tennis I was like oh my god there's these new guys I don't need to watch the old guys there's people in my generation that are that are playing tennis so this is more interesting towards me I guess that's how I more focused on the I guess the new next gen of the tennis world so I started really getting into tennis there and I was like okay let me start playing tennis so at school I played tennis for the summer months which was fun never played competitively I just trained our um tennis coach at school he was into tennis he had the Australian 
open balls. He had the Australian open tennis bags. It was fun. And everyone would bring our rackets, would just hit the ball. And it was just me and my friends. We'd never play competitively. We just played for fun. And it was good fun. And even at home, I would play with my parents. I'd play with my siblings. It was just for fun. Like, never, none of us actually, like, our parents never actually put us into tennis lessons I feel like I was a bit too old for that at that stage and I wouldn't have probably learned but it was still fun and I still play today sometimes too with my mom and dad we just hit the ball around and it's just good exercise but like we enjoy it and that's all we love to do so that's how I got into tennis so I played at high school a little bit just for fun or we trained at high school and then we also went to this tournament as I got a little bit older I wanted to be a ball girl so bad However, I was a bit too old, and plus, I'd never played for club, so that was the restriction. But I could volunteer at the tournament, so ever since maybe I was old enough, let's say, about, I don't know, the grades in the US high school system, but I was like 16, 15, when I started volunteering, and I volunteered for five years at the ASB tournament, I mean, the Auckland tournament, both, I did both the WTA week and the men's week so it was real fun I saw so many players I think when Venus Williams first came I saw her around the grounds too and it's like you can't really talk to them but it's just great seeing them so it's just kind of like the little excitement that I got and kind of shock that you get when you see these people and it's just like wow like is this really me am I really standing here today standing in front of someone that I love and I've seen on tv so much and when Serena was there oh even better it was so like so exciting and then Stephanos actually came to this tournament as well I think in the last year I was volunteering he was there and I never I actually never saw him on the ground I would always see a figure moving and like his dad I saw his dad all the time but I never saw him which was always frustrating to me so I guess it was the way it was supposed to be but I would just get so excited I was like oh he must be close when I saw his dad like just the excitement and everything about it it was just so fun it was just a great place to be and it was introduced me to so many friends that I have now that are so interested in tennis and like we are from all around the globe the people who volunteer at this tournament come from a lot of different places I remember there was an Argentinian girl that was there sometimes and there were people who were going away to U.S. colleges it was just a great place to be because we'd meet all these different people all these different not necessarily girls but all these different people from all over New Zealand all over the world who came just to help out and volunteer at this tournament and just would talk about tennis and it was great so it was a great way to meet friends and I highly recommend volunteering it's the best thing in the world and it was the best thing I did for five summers so it was really the highlight of my summer eventually and yeah so after that it was just so much fun and we just had fun and since since I saw Stephanos at the tournament that's not where I fell in love with him I knew him from a year before so when I saw him at the tournament that's when I was really invested in Stephanos I was in I was full on the Stephanos train so that was how I did not meet him but it just solidified the reason that I like him today so the story of how I fell in love or grew to love Stefan Tsitsipas as a player, as a person, and just in general, is at university. When I started university, 
university sucks. As we all know, that is the toughest thing in the world. And I would watch tennis in my spare time. So I'd be following tennis, my favourite tennis player. So I loved Alexander Zverev, Dominic Thiem, Denis Shapovalov, Nick Kyrgios, the Nazi Okanakis. Those were my favourites at the time. Stefanos was not on the radar at all until maybe the end of that year when I finished my first year. Stefanos just came about me watching tennis, me just looking at the tennis app, seeing who's on the draw, seeing all these people, and I just kept on seeing this name, Tsitsipas, 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 and I was like, who is this guy? So then I started Googling, doing my research, and then I found out he knew the Nasi Okanakis, and I was like, okay, interesting. And then I went to like his Twitter profile, and I was like, oh, I've actually seen him before. The Nasi went to Greece, because he's a Greek-Australian. They went, he went to Greece, he played an exhibition match against Stephanos, and I was like, oh, this is the same guy. So then I started putting the dots together, and I was like, oh wait, this guy is actually good. So then from then on, I kind of just like kept an eye out for Stephanos, never really like committing to watch his full games, and then I think it was the end of the year, more around the Octobers, maybe getting into November, when Stephanos started, he played his first ATP match, and that was the one that I watched, and I was like, oh, okay. I'm here for this. I am so here for it. He is an exciting player. He's very different. And then it was the first year of Milan also, but Stefanos didn't qualify. He played an exhibition match against Zverev because Zverev wasn't playing. He was playing and he played London, I'm pretty sure. So they played an exhibition match and I watched that as well. And it was, it was very good. I enjoyed the matches and I was like, okay, this guy, this rivalry, what they've got going on here is something that needs to be watched. So from then on, I was kind of committed. And then following into that summer, going into that summer, in January, when he was, when it was announced that he was playing in Auckland, I was like, yes, it's sold. However, before that, in December, because Stephen Ross was just, he had a YouTube channel. So his YouTube channel, I was a follower of. As soon as I found out all his social media, I was following. So he did like YouTube live videos and he would just talk and do questionnaires like he does now and like he does on Instagram live as well. He did those early on in the beginning of his, I guess, YouTube career and I was watching them and then he's like, and then people would ask questions. So people would be like, what are the tournaments you'd like to play? And he's like, Auckland. Me being from Auckland, I was like, please, Lord, please let him come here. Please, 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 whatever happens, please let him be there. Because this is the last time I was volunteering. So I was like, if I miss him now, I won't ever see him again. The day it was announced that he was coming to Auckland. Oh, my heart. I could have, like, I didn't know if I wanted to scream. I didn't know if I wanted to yell. I was, like, making sure I was rostered on volunteering every day of the tournament. Making sure that I had my tickets to the tournament and everything was ready to go because I was committed. I was so committed to seeing him, to meeting him. Firstly, I was so committed to meeting him. And then... and then the next thing was I was so committed to watching him play. The only thing I did see, I did watch his match. And that was probably the best thing that I saw. It was so exciting. He played a very good match. Sadly, he lost and he didn't win the tournament. But I think he got to see around Auckland, which was the other thing that he wanted to do. Like, he's heard about it before and... So he went sightseeing and stuff like that. So that was nice. And just knowing your favourite player 
is enjoying being in your city was just an experience like I love my city I love Auckland and I love it and I love Wellington too but just him enjoying being in Auckland that just made me solidified and I was like yes this is a good city we live in a good place and you know how Stephanos loves to travel and he has all those vlogs he vlogged about Auckland as well so that made me so excited and I've I've probably watched that vlog a thousand times to be honest that's probably one of my favorite vlogs and I always look at him like oh this is this place this is that place oh he must have seen this and he must have seen that so I was just like the excitement I was like so I was like a I was very school girl at acting like it was just so much fun and seeing him play like I was dead silent like usually in matches I'm like yelling and I'm cheering but not this time I was dead silent just making sure I take all of it in I was taking lots of photos I still have the photos today I think of just I was we were sitting right at the top because as a volunteer you can't go sit in the prime seat so you have to sit in like the really rooftop seats the roof rooftop seat so we were sitting up there trying not to fall over and crash down and fall over and crash down and we were trying to watch and be silent as possible and I was taking as many photos as I can of Stephanos but it was it's probably the best memory I have of that summer just seeing him play that was the only thing that was the best thing that made my summer and the rest of my year to be honest and since then as we know I have been an avid Tsitsipas fan like I love him. He's my favorite tennis player in the whole wide world, and I don't think I would be the person I am today if it wasn't for being introduced to him. He has such a unique way of just talking, and his thoughts and opinions on everything are very unique, and it's so different, and I just love that about him. And it's honestly, like, I don't think there's a tennis player ever that's like him. And it's so good to see his his success. And honestly, it's it's so good as a fan. Like, I think every fan favourite reporter has the same opinion. When they see their favourite doing well, it's just like your heart glows. It's not your heart glows, but you just feel so proud of them. And the amount of tweets I have sent out saying I'm so proud of him this past year of all the tournaments that he's won and all of the things that he's accomplished, I... I could be a millionaire by now to be honest with you so it's just so good to see that and I'm so proud of him so incredibly proud of him and if I ever meet him a face-to-face conversation with Stephanos I would just tell him how proud I am of him and I would tell him to keep going to keep doing what he's doing because he is different and different is good sometimes and I love his vlogs and I would tell him to keep doing vlogs all his movies all his funny tweets that we all laugh at like you know things that bring me joy and it's like some of the emotions that I feel when I see some of the things that he does or I watch him play or I was in the presence of, of him playing at the first time it's like some feelings you can't describe like you're just thinking about it and you're just like wow I just don't know Like, there's nothing I could really say or do and I don't know how to describe this feeling because for me, it's undescribable. And I'm pretty sure if I met him first, I would probably faint. I'd just be dead silent and not say a word. But then after I'd recovered, I'd probably say something. So, yeah. Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays to all. Happy tennis season to all for 2020. And I hope to see you guys next year and keep talking to you guys about Stefano Tsitsipas. Thank you guys and I'll catch you guys next year.
Hello, tennis fans and everybody listening to this podcast. My name is Martina. I'm 19 years old and I'm from Melbourne, Australia. As you can probably assume by my name, Martina, tennis kind of runs in my blood because my parents are massive tennis fans and they were huge fans of Martina Hingis, who was at her peak at around the time I was born. And they loved her so much that they named me after her. True story. I was born and raised in Melbourne and I have lived here for all my life. And if you're a tennis fan, you're probably aware that Melbourne is the host of the Australian Open, which is the event of the summer. Besides the Australian Open and the tennis in general, um, Melbourne is also home to many sporting events, including the AFL, which is um, the national sport of Australia. Um, Melbourne is also known for its cultural diversity, which resonates in its food. Some of my personal favourite places to eat are on DeGrave Street and on Ligon Street. And my other favourite place to hang out in Melbourne is Artfo, which is a 3D interactive arts gallery where the art actually looks 3D and people actually come there to not just look at the art, but they actually be in the art. So those are my top spots to visit in Melbourne if you guys decide to come. So tennis is a sport that has essentially brought my family closer together. My dad still plays tennis. My grandpa used to play tennis and I played tennis when I was eight years old and played for five years. The reason why I quit playing tennis weekly was because I was committed to swimming, which I started when I was five years old and I was really into water sports. So I continue swimming and I quit tennis, but I haven't quit tennis forever because I still play sometimes with my friends just for fun because I have the skill set and the foundation to play. So for my enjoyment and just for fun, I play with my friends and it's such a good sport to be social with. And it's such a good sport to just, just to pick up and Um, have fun with and I'm so glad I did it. When I was eight years old I went to watch the tennis live for the very first time and it was at the Australian Open in 2009 in the fourth round and the first ever male tennis match I watched was a match between Thomas Berdych and Roger Federer and I would like to say that I have massive respect for Thomas Berdych because he also had a massive impact on my love for tennis because he was part of the first tennis match I watched live. And I would like to say congratulations on an incredible career. He has achieved so much and he deserved all the success that he got and more. And it was a disappointment that injury had to stop his run, but um, he is an incredible player and I just wish him a happy retirement. It's not like he's going to listen to this podcast anyways, but that's just what I want to say about Thomas. Like he's, he's amazing. Um, and he was versing none other than Roger Federer. This match was a match that essentially changed my perspective on tennis forever. because it was such an unforgettable match. It was five sets. Um, Roger was down two sets to love and then somehow fought back and won in five sets. And I don't know the stats, but I don't know how many times he has done that in his career, being two sets to love down and then coming back and winning because it is the most 
incredible thing to see and something really rare to watch because to be able to do that you have to have a lot of fight and you have to have a lot of positivity and your mental strength must be like unfathomable to actually be able to overcome something like that and as an eight-year-old look I my tennis knowledge wasn't great I mean I knew a little bit about it but I didn't know I, I only focused on the physical capacity that went behind tennis I didn't really focus on the mental strength that tennis actually instills because I didn't know that oh it's not just about being physically fit but it's about being mentally fit as well and I didn't appreciate that until after I watched the match so during the match I saw like two players battling it out and at the end of the second set I kind of lost hope because I knew who Roger was I didn't know who Thomas Thomas Berich was at the time but I knew who Roger was because my parents and everyone telling me about him and stuff but and then after the second set, I just felt kind of deflated. I was like, oh, no way, he's going to come back from this. I mean, it's three sets and it's over. Like, as if it's going to be five sets. The The weather was terrible. It was really hot. I was drenched in sweat. I was suffering and I was just sitting in the sun, let alone watching them play. It was just such a suffocating moment. But then Roger really surprised me. The way that he came back from two sets of love down... to win in five sets and even in that year made it to the final um, against Nadal. It was just something I couldn't believe. And at that point, I started to follow him. I started to look up to him and see that his mental strength is just something that is so incredible and something that I draw a lot of positivity from. Um, Up until today, I admire him for so many reasons. So one, for his fight, his persistence and his resilience. Like he sees positive things in everything. He could lose the most, you know, awful match of his life. You know, having had whatever championship points, match points, he's had some brutal losses. He's come so close so many times. Um, And for me personally, if I was in his situation and if I had come so close to something and then get and then I get held back by something and say so for instance fail or don't make it, I think I would draw a lot of negativity from it. I would be really upset and it probably, you know, I'd probably wallow in my thoughts and keep thinking about something for a really long time. But Roger is the complete opposite, I feel. Like he thinks about it and of course it affects him, but At the same time, I feel like he draws a lot of positivity in situations like that. And I really admire him for that. And in seeing what he does, it kind of, you know, influenced how I saw life. So my perspective on things has, is starting to change a little bit. And I'm trying to do, I'm trying to be more positive, just like Roger. And that's why I kind of admire him in that sense the fact that he has such a strong mind and he can come back from anything 
And that's the reason why he has been around for so long and his longevity is essentially affected by his mental strength. Um, another thing I admire about him is the his ability to stay so grounded. He is a player who is decorated with stats and awards and wins and grand slams and 103 titles, you name it, and records and everything. But the way he represents the sport, the way he respects other players, other people around him, it just makes him a really grounded person. And the what's important to him is not, you know, playing tennis to break all these records and to win every single tournament out there, but it's more about being able to represent the sport well and being able to respect other players and respect everyone around him. And um, and that's what I look up to as well. It's it's not about winning all the time, but it's about being the best person you could be. And he is the perfect example of that. And not only is he a talented player, but he shows good sport and he, you know, is very, very, very diplomatic when it comes to presses. He doesn't get frustrated. And this comes from the fact that he's changed so much from when he was a child as well. When he was a teenager, I mean, sorry, not a child. Um, When he was a teenager, he was really bad tempered from what we understand. He threw his rackets and he had tantrums at the umpire. But now we see him, it's like a complete 360. He's more calm, he's more collected. And as I said, he sees the positive things and he keeps calm in the important moments, but then he still has that desire to win and he still has the belief that he can do things. And I think that's the most important mindset to have when you are playing a sport or when you're going through something in life. So that is probably the reason why I look up to him so much. There are so many admirable qualities in Roger Federer. And from that day, from the day I was a little eight-year-old girl watching him play a match up until now, I just see so many things that I could learn from him as a player. And he's probably one of the athletes I look up to, if not probably my biggest idol ever. Yeah. So I look up to quite a few people, singers, sports people, you name it. But Roger Federer is probably up there as one of my like favourite people and most admirable people. Yeah. So, yeah. So at the Australian Open in 2018 and in 2019, I was lucky enough to actually get some autographs and pictures with Roger Federer himself. And it didn't come easy, I must say. It took blood, sweat and tears to actually get there. So in 2018, um, I went to the practice courts and knew when he was practicing because normally before... Um, each practice session or at the start of the day, they'd always release the practice schedule on the Australian Open website. And it tells you what time the player is practicing and what court they're practicing at. So I saw the schedule and then me and my friend went and lined up before the gates even opened for into the grounds. And we went, as soon as they opened, we went straight to the practice court and stood there for hours and hours in the sun and when Roger came on we watched his practice session and then he started he came over and he signed for us 
And at that time, I had a massive tennis ball um, with some tennis players' signatures on it. And the one that I was missing was Roger Federer's. So as he was coming to sign, I held out my ball and I was at the front, so I was right up against the gate. And But standing in, fr- but in front of me was the, the gate. It wasn't locked properly because it didn't have a lock. So if anyone pushed, then the gate would just open. Like there was no way of holding it together unless I, well, I tried my best to hold it together, but there was no lock in, on it or whatsoever. And I'm not a very tall person. I'm quite short. So I was the, probably the shortest person in the front row. And even though at the time I was 17 years old, I probably looked 12 because I was just so short and I was getting wedged between everyone's armpits and it was a really hot day and everything. Because as soon as Roger came over, everyone started pushing. And at that moment, I feel like I blacked out because I had no idea what was going on. Everyone was pushing me. I was under someone else's armpit. My cap was halfway off my head. My sunnies were half broken. My ribs were about to break. It was a horrible, horrible feeling. And I was just holding this tennis ball and I was just struggling. And then when Roger came over, he kind of saw like everyone in the front row kind of getting crushed. And I was telling security, I was like, can you please get these people to stop pushing because I'm trying to hold back this gate and trying not to fall on Roger himself. And everyone's just pushing. And then Roger Federer saw what was going on. And then he was like, guys, can you please stop pushing? Um, because if you keep pushing, I'm not going to sign for you guys anymore. And he stood back, he stood back and he looked pretty like angry and then people stopped pushing and I was able to breathe again and then he signed my ball. So I would like to say that Roger Federer saved my life. (laughs) In that moment, it was something very ugly. It was like a really ugly scene. I didn't get to talk to him at all. I just said thank you for signing the ball. I didn't even think he heard. So I was like, okay, that's a dream come true that he signed my tennis ball finally. But let's make it a more positive meeting the next time round. So in 2019, this this year, I went to the Australian Open again. I did the same thing. I went to the grounds like before the gates even opened went straight to the tennis court where Roger was practicing and stood there for four hours and as soon as he came on he practiced and then he came and he signed for fans and this time it was much more calm everyone was really respectful Um, I had a cap which I put around my hand and I didn't really expect him to sign the cap but he did anyway which was I was like, wow, like I didn't expect it. I just held it in my hand and he just took it and signed it. And then this time I got a photo with him. So other people I saw just shoved their phone in his face and he kind of stopped and they took a photo, but I just felt like I I need to ask. So I asked, can I, hey Roger, can I please have a photo with you? And I got no answer, which I assumed that he meant yes, but it, and which he did because when I stuck out my phone, he stopped and he took a photo with me. And oh, that moment, I will never, ever forget.
the photo came out quite terrible because I was I have short arms and I should have gotten him to take it, but I didn't because I was so nervous. I had short arms and only like half my face was in the photo and the rest was just Roger and Roger wasn't even looking at the phone like he was looking I don't know where he was staring he it didn't he was looking somewhere else and but anyway it was still a, a memorable moment because after that I went home and I saw that the ATP had actually filmed the moment of um, fans meeting Roger and the moment I was meeting Roger was at the center of the video. So if you guys search up uh, Roger Federer Melbourne practice session or something on the ATP YouTube channel, there was a moment, the moment of me meeting him right there. Um, girl wearing the yellow t-shirt. <laughs> so yeah, and I saw that and I was like, oh my God, the moment actually got captured on camera. And I screenshotted that moment and that is now framed on my wall because that is something I will never forget. I mean, I came to the Australian Open 10 years prior watching him play for the first time and then 10 years later, I little, never ever would have dreamt of meeting him and actually taking a photo with him. I This time I actually said um, thank you and good luck for the next round and good luck for the rest of the tournament. I just wished him luck and he said thank you. So that was as far as our conversation went, but it was still a massive dream come true. If I were to meet Roger again, there are many things that I'd love to say to him, but most importantly, I'd probably say a massive thank you for being such an inspiration to so many people around the world young and old, but especially youth like me. Um, a lot of people look up to Roger from such a young age. I've looked up to him since I was a nine-year-old kid or an eight-year-old kid. And of course, so many of my qualities come from what my parents have taught me. And my parents have guided me to become the person I am today. But it is so important to be able to look up to a successful sports person or musician or philanthropist or anyone that has been successful um, in life. And Roger Federer is a perfect example of that. Um, his success in the sport is unsurmountable. He has achieved so much and on and off the court as well. And I'm more impressed with his off-court work, actually, with his philanthropy, how he's able to reach out to so many people who are less fortunate than ourselves and being able to inspire the next generation of people to do the same thing, to always give back um, to the community with what you have, with the success he's gained. Um, he's realised that he could make an impact and he could make a change to the community and he's able to do that in so many ways. And I cannot describe how much, like how grateful I am to be able to look up to someone like that. And his tennis is something that um, we may not ever see again in another player because he is such a unique player. His longevity is incredible. Um, I don't even understand how he could play for that many years. He's 38 years old and he moves like a 25-year-old. Like, I thought he was going to retire 
as well. Like everyone wrote him off. I actually thought he was going to retire at the age of 32, 33 because um, that's the normal age that most tennis players retire. But he shocked me by going beyond 38. And now I can believe, I believe he can do anything. He can probably play to the age of 45 if you tell me. And I would probably still believe you. So I would just say thank you to him for, you know, sticking on the tour and just still having that fire and the desire to win and that passion to play because he brings so much joy um, to everyone around the world. Whenever he plays tennis, he just makes me happy. I love watching tennis as a sport in general, but whenever he plays, it's just a different feeling. And to be able to see him play um, live was such an incredible experience, one that I will never forget. Um, yeah. And just to be able to sit courtside and admire his skill, admire his fight and just admire what an incredible sports person he is, is something that I will never, ever forget. Um, so those are kind of the things I would tell him. Thank you for listening to this podcast and my section on Roger Federer and this goes along to any tennis player go with whoever you idolize and because tennis players are amazing people but my favorite just happened to be Roger Federer (laughs) so yeah have a good day I hope you've enjoyed this special holiday presentation of our tennis friends from all over the world who share the same passion for tennis many thanks to Valerie Tanya Crystal Fiona and Martina for sharing their stories If you want to join our Tennis Pal Chronicles podcast as a fan favorite reporter, email pk at tennispal.com or continue the conversation on social media at lovesetmatch on Twitter and Instagram. A special thanks to Holly and the whole Tennis Pal family for sponsoring this podcast. Visit tennispal.com for more information. Happy holidays, everyone. See you in 2020 with more passion for tennis and may all your serves be aces.